the biggest risk isn't buying the property. The biggest risk is the lack of knowledge when you acquire properties and when you grow your business, because one mistake can have massive consequences. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, before we get into this week's episode, I've got some I am so excited to share with you guys. For the last couple of years, we've been recruiting and training virtual assistants for our private mastermind students, and we have now officially opened that up to the public. So if you are looking to hire a virtual assistant for your short-term rental business, then go to strsecrets.com slash VA. And we will recruit, onboard, and train a VA for you. And if they don't save you at least 40 hours a month in admin work, then you don't pay. So I put a crazy guarantee on this because I've been testing this out for the last two years with our mastermind members. And I'm so confident that it works that if it doesn't randomly work for you, I'm literally going to give your money back. So if you want more info on that offer, head over to strsecrets.com slash VA. And now let's get to this week's episode. So... What we're going to talk about today, because I know a, a lot of people in the mastermind have asked me and a lot of people have DM me asking, you know, should I sell my STR property, you know, for a variety of reasons, but long and short of it is, you know, it's not performing like it used to, or it's not performing like I thought it should or would. And so I just want to walk you guys through a framework that I, you know, walk the students through on analyzing, should you sell it, right? Should you sell it? Um, or what do you need to do to optimize it? We've talked to, for the last month or six weeks about how to optimize your listing, right? So what I would first say is doing an ROE analysis, okay? ROE meaning return on equity. So you'd start with, what is this property worth now? Like, what do I think it could actually sell for? And you can go on Zillow or realtor.com or any of those and just pull up you can change the filter to sold properties and look up any properties that have sold in your area in the last ideally three months, right? Because the market has been changing quite a bit. So I would ideally look at the last three months and get a sense of what could you realistically get for your property. All right. That's the property's value. Then pull up your mortgage online banking or last mortgage statement. How much do you owe on it? So what's it worth minus how much you owe on it, all right? That's how much equity you have in the property, okay? Now, the next step would be, all right, let's take out 5% because that's what you're gonna pay an agent to list it, five or 6%, maybe four to 6%, you know, commission. Okay, now what's my true equity? What am I gonna have to play with when I get out of this, okay? Then I start to look at, okay, here's how much capital I'm gonna have. Am I, do I have a gain, okay? Because if I do, I'm ideally, Again, talk to your CPA. I'm not giving tax advice here, but you're probably going to want to at least consider doing a 1031 exchange. All right. And what that does is it says, okay, if I'm going to sell a property and I have a, a realized gain, meaning it went up in value and I made money on it, then instead of paying taxes on that at 20 or 25%, I can roll that into another property using a 1031 exchange and just kind of kick that tax liability down the road. 
but there are some nuances and I'm not going to go into all those on here because I want to keep this conversation going, but we did a podcast with Yona Weiss. You can look it up on strsecrets.com. Just search Yona, Y-O-N-A-H. And he specializes in 1031 exchanges. So like you could, you could check him out and look at all that stuff. And we've talked a ton about 1031s. But anyway, there's, there's a certain timeline. You have a very tight window to identify the next property that you're going to buy. So taking out that side of the house, then I would start to look at what properties are on the market and what, what kind of return could I get on that money right now? All right. So looking at what's my true equity, how much annual cash flow is my property generating now? And I would calculate, let's just say the property nets $50,000 after all expenses, including the mortgage and everything. And say that you're, I don't know, say you've got equity of 250,000 or make it 200,000. Okay. So what's 50 divided by 200? It's 25%, right? Return on equity that you're generating each year, right? So after you've held the property for a year or two, especially if the market is accelerating and appreciating, we talk a lot about cash on cash return, which is good. How much money did I put in versus how much money am I getting back every year? But at a certain point, if that property continues to appreciate, most likely your return on equity is going to go down because you're building more equity in that property. So at that point, you have two options. One, the ideal situation, in my opinion, the ideal scenario is, is there any way to get a a HELOC or a line of credit against my equity to go buy another deal so I don't have to sell it. That's ideal. I'll be honest, those are very few and far to come by right now because the banks have tightened up a lot of that stuff. Is it impossible? No, but you're gonna have to do a lot of shopping to see, could I get a HELOC on this investment property? It's a lot easier if it's technically a second home and you don't have, again, I don't wanna, I don't, there's a whole lot of tax holes that we could go down. So I wanna keep it like high enough level, but can I get a HELOC or if I sell it, say I take that 200,000 and I go put it into another property. Say 150 goes to the down payment and 50 goes into furnishing it and getting it ready to go. So if I got to do a 20% down loan, 150 divided by 0.2, I can buy a $750,000 house. What around that price range is available in the markets that I want to look at? And then I would just analyze the deals like we've talked about on end analyzing deals around that price point. Can I get a, a better return on that money that I'm currently getting right now? Like that's, that's the highest level scenario that you could look at. What's my equity? What is that equity generating me from a cash flow standpoint right now? Versus if I pulled that equity and bought something else, would I get a higher return on that equity? Right? I'm assuming everybody's tracking. I know I'm not, I don't have any fancy visuals or anything this week, but I'm trying to keep this high enough level. The other thing that you need to think about, especially if you're in a some type of job or you're growing a business, is what is my time worth? Okay, because you're gonna invest a lot of time to, and again, I'm going through it right now, just selling my primary house. You get a showing request. All right, you gotta scramble, get the house clean, picked up, get out of the house, go somewhere else. It takes a lot of your time and energy to sell a property and then to go out and identify another property to buy. So just know that you, you, you may not be growing your business or you may not be growing your other sources of income as much during this, say, three-month window of you selling and purchasing something else. So you, there's two folds. Not too many people think about the time aspect of it because there's massive power and focus. And I talk about this all the time of like, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next three months of my life to get this one deal 
is that worth my time? As opposed to maybe I don't sell this thing, maybe I optimize it and I just continue looking for co-host deals or whatever else. So you have to do this like mental math of, is this worth my time to go out at a 7% interest rate right now and find something else that's gonna cash flow better than the property that I have right now? I love that you say that about the time too, because I think that's probably, like for me, that's the biggest thing is how much more time is it gonna add if I, if I make a decision? So if it's selling a property or even buying a new property, building one out, furnishing, rehabbing a property, how much time is it gonna take for me? And, um, and I always make sure that, that everybody in the mastermind knows that too. It's like, where are we at in life right now? What's the overarching goal that we have for this year and then the next five years? And then let's back into that and make a decision on if this is right right thing to do or not. And I think you made it super simple with the math of, hey, what's your return on equity currently? And can you go get a HELOC? Can you refinance? And that's a whole different like rabbit hole we can get down to is like the macroeconomic cycle that we go into. As interest rates come down, you're going to start seeing a lot more people refinance and you're going to see prices are going to go up, honestly, again, because when, when the interest rates go, go down, the buying power is a lot higher. When the buying power is a lot higher, prices, prices of houses go up. And so it, there's going to be a little bit more movement if and when the interest rates do come down. So that goes for new home purchases. That goes for refinances. That goes for HELOCs, as you were talking about. So it's just you have to think, all right, black and white, what's the math on my, on my current, current property in return? What can I get? And if you already have a deal identified, that's even better. You already have a property, let's say it's off market that you can, that you know, you can go in and, and add value to it and rehab and get into it. Like Rich found one that he's, he went under contract last Friday on. It's like, uh, I think he got it for like 530. He's going to put 200 into it and it's going to be worth like 1.2 after all said and done. And so he was asking me, hey, should I look at selling my first property, which is doing very well, and taking the proceeds and using that for the, the rehab of this current property um, that I just went under contract for. And so we broke it down. I was like, why sell this like cash flowing asset right now when you can go borrow money to do the, you know, to do the rehab and then you're just gonna pull that money back out and pay off the that loan once you rehab and get the ARV done with this current property. So it's a math equation. But it goes back to how much time do you have currently and like, where are you, where are you going to go? Like, what are you looking to go and get to? So exactly, exactly. hundred percent. So the other thing to consider, and again, this is less on the mathematical side is one of the beauties of being in this business is that you can actually enjoy the properties that you have. Right. So I realistically, I could probably, I know for a fact, I owe just under 140,000 on the two bedroom up in the mountains. My neighbor just sold hers for 400. So I've got a lot of equity in that property. Could I sell it and put that into something else? Yes, would my cash on cash return be potentially better? Probably, but interest rates are a little higher now. I, I could do some math, but at the same time, I get a lot of personal utility out of that property. Like I like to go there. I like to use it. It's still cash flowing. So I'm okay with that. And I have the 57 unit renovation that we're pushing super hard on right now. I've got another hotel renovation that we're likely starting in November and I'm doing a renovation on the house that we just bought. So again, like 
that's why I bring up the time piece of like, it's not always just the math equation. Like there's, you can push and grind. Believe me, I've been there. Like, and I still have a bunch of projects going on, but like, is that going to be the best use of my time right now to essentially flip a two bedroom as opposed to working on this larger, multiple other larger projects right now? So that's why when people ask me, a lot of it depends on your personal situation, what your goals are, what the utility of that property is, what your equity in that property is, is it cash flowing? There's, there's a lot of different factors to consider instead of just like, all right, I'm going to dump this property because it's not performing the way that I wanted it to. It's like, whoa, okay, well, that's one little facet of this. Let's, let's go a little deeper on that. So 100%. I was just going to show this. So this is exactly what we're going through. We've decided to optimize what we have now and build the biz by expanding into co-hosting. There you go. Because a lot of people purchase properties in the last two years for tax reasons and everything else. And it was pretty easy the last two years, right? Now that we've gone through some economic changes, a lot more supply, the demand for travel is kind of leveled out. Like it's not just throw anything up and make a bunch of money. You got to know what the hell you're doing. And a lot of people are realizing that they either bought the wrong deal and or they really don't know what they're doing and it's not worth their time anymore to focus on this. So they're going to be looking for co-hosts. If you can help them increase the revenue or at least maintain where they're at and be hands off, a lot of opportunities right now. And we're seeing that with a lot of the mastermind students. So I cut you off, buddy. I'm sorry. What were you going to no, say? No, and that's what I was going to point out too. It's it's just so important to look at like, what's the goal when you're investing in, in real estate or building this short-term rental business? Is it a financial goal? Is it a time goal? What What is it? Um, are you looking to leave your job, spouse leave your job? And then what number do you need to get to to get there? And if you have a current property that's maybe underperforming, like some of you guys may have some that are just like totally breaking even right now. And should you sell it? And like if you're in Blue Ridge, if you're in like the Smoky Mountains, if you're in, I know it's kind of good season out in uh, or dead season out in like Scottsdale, if you bought a property out there. And you feel like you're kind of stuck. You just got to look at the next like nine months, 12 months and say, all right, how am I going to do? Like forecast out how you're going to do. And if it's worth it, just selling it now. If you got the time to sell it and it's really not performing for you and you can go put that into more of a passive investment, absolutely do that. But the whole point is like, what's the goal and how do I, how do I get there as quickly as possible? And like what Bert is doing is, hey, I'm going to hold on to my real estate. Because if you look at the last... 200 years of real estate, it just, it goes up, right? There's going to be dips, there's going to be ups and downs, but it's just consistently gone up. So I always love holding onto the real estate if you can, if it cash flows well, and then build more co-hosting on the side to reach that income that you want to get to. Exactly. So feel free to post in the chat if you guys have any questions or if you're debating on selling or if you have any questions about what we just talked about, because it is an important discussion that needs to happen. And quite frankly, if you're not in a mastermind group like ours or whatever, it's funny, I was having this conversation with a, a friend of mine who started as a co-host client. Now we're really good friends. He, um, he started lending money like a private lender. He's got a very successful business. He's done some flips. He's got some short-term rentals. He's done some stuff and he started lending money and he was having an issue on a property that he lended on. And he starts asking other people in his circle like what he should do. And then he comes back to me and I'm like, well, I'm not a private money lender, so I'm not the right person to answer this. And quite frankly, the advice that you're getting from all these other people, they're not even in the game, bud. I'm like, so you're, you're going to your inner circle of people that you're comfortable talking to. They want to help you and they're going to give you an opinion. But if I'm being honest, that opinion has no fucking basis in any fact. So like 
why are you even asking these people the question, dude? You just want like a pat on the ass. I'm like, I'll give you a pat on the ass if you want, but it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to give you good advice. You need to go to people that are in the game that have experience that have done this, that can guide you through this situation. So just remember that if you're going to ask your family or friends, should I sell this? And they have no experience in short-term rentals, or they've been in it for like a year, you're going to get biased advice. That's not really based on any track record. So just bear that in mind. And we've all been guilty of it. You know, you ask your parents or loved ones, whatever. I love my parents, but they don't know shit about real estate. You know what I mean? Like it, I'd be, I'd be going somewhere that has no basis in fact. Yeah. So I love that you said that. I think like it, in this business, um, in coaching and like, we always talk about like, Hey, who's done what we want to do. Let's just go ask them. Like it's the, it's the path of least resistance, really. Like who's done what we want to do. Let's go ask them. Same thing with like fitness, like what trainer has helped people lose weight the most. Let's go work with them. Golf. What guy's got the best handicap. Let's go work with them. Piano. Like you want to learn piano. You want to learn a new language. Like who's done what we want to do. Let's just go ask them get their experience, get their feedback on it. hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. So what are the questions you guys got while we're on here? Let me know. Are you considering selling your property? Are you trying to optimize your property? Are you looking for new properties right now? I will say that there's always deals out there. Yeah. That's the other fallacy. And the post that I did yesterday about my first mentor, um, his name's Dave Lindahl and he was, Again, he built it up to like 8,000 apartments or something crazy. And he wrote a book. I think Rich Summers actually just talked about it in one of his Instagram posts. It's called Emerging Real Estate Markets. And it teaches you basically how to analyze markets, but understanding market cycles and what's the strategy in each cycle. And it's funny because I paid this guy a lot of money to teach me how to invest in apartments. And I never ended up buying an apartment building back in the day. And a lot of people would be like, well, you just wasted a bunch of money on this mentor and blah, blah, blah. But the stuff that I learned from him to understand markets and commercial real estate paid dividends down the road. So I'd highly encourage you to, um, to check out this book called Emerging Real Estate Markets by David Lindahl. Um, really good book. And um, it'll just teach you how to analyze market cycles and to look at data, job growth, population growth, all these different statistics that you can get for free online that will show you really how to analyze market cycles and figure out what's the best strategy for you right now. So considered selling a property that just wasn't performing, how we forecasted, only owned it for a year, decided to optimize for the sake of a lot of reasons. It is cash flowing enough to pay for itself, time, use of property, et cetera, et cetera, everything you just spoke on. Yeah. So like the biggest thing is, and again, I learned this from Dave, is we always buy for cash flow. Like the appreciation is just the icing on the cake. So as long as you're not bleeding money every month, like, okay, I just don't want to see you guys coming out of pocket to float a property every month. Like that's not, it's not fun. So it's got a cash flow. I'm looking to buy my first luxury one to $2 million property. What are your favorite markets for that price range? I mean, it really depends to be completely honest with you. Like where would you want to set up shop? Like where would you, like it's your portfolio. And then I'd use a tool like STR Insights to help you analyze, you know, nationally across the country of like, what are the top performing markets in that price range? And you can do that. I mean, I, I've done well in Kissimmee. I have noticed it softened quite a bit this year. We're still going to make money. Last year, we absolutely smashed. 
but again, it was in that one to $2 million price range. Um, we bought it for nine ten. right now. That property is probably worth one, three, probably somewhere between one, two and one, four, depending on a variety of factors. So yeah. And I mean, it, it, it'd make money for sure, but you just gotta, you gotta have the right team in a market like Kissimmee. You gotta like go all in on the theming and the custom bedrooms and just, you really got to go to town. Uh, I don't know. What have you seen Mike for that price range? Yeah, I think what you said was good. It's just trying to figure out where you want to be into and looking at emerging markets. Like what markets are you traveling to that you feel are, are on the up and up? And so just looking, looking at places you've been and, um, and just talking to more people. I think, I just think it's all about who you talk to, who you network with and who you know that's like in those markets too. And again, like it, it's hard for me to say because we have students everywhere. Like Dave V, like he, he does very well in the Smokies, you know, a hyper quote unquote saturated market, but he finds properties that are technically, you know, three bedrooms that he can convert into five bedroom properties, right. And different things like that. So, you know, he's in that one to $2 million price point and he's, he's killing it. So it's just figuring out where the demand is. But again, that's why I like STR insights because it really helps you. Air DNA is great for getting in the weeds. But STR Insights, Kenny Bedwell's tool is phenomenal for helping you analyze the, the whole U.S. and then whittling down your search. So this is a good question. Eventually, we want to invest in another property by utilizing equity in properties. HELOC over cash out refinance question. So in the market that we're in now, if you, have, if you bought a property, I don't know, a year ago and say your interest rate was 5%. You don't want to lose that 5%. That's why I like the HELOC way better because you keep that current debt in place at a better interest rate. And if you refinance the whole thing at seven or seven and a half percent, you're, you're not getting as much bang for your buck with those interest rates. You know what I mean? So I, I'd prefer a HELOC over a cash out refi, especially in, in today's, you know, with today's interest rates, you want to protect the good debt that you have. Yep. <clears throat> I think, um, I've told you this a lot of times, Mike. Investing in real estate and what wealthy people do is they take simple math and they apply it to complex situations. So yep. when you look at what's your current interest rate now, and then what's the what's the equity that you want to leverage, and then what's the interest on that equity on the HELOC, right? So like if you had a five percent interest rate, and then you take a HELOC out on let's say an extra hundred grand, and that HELOC's ten percent. So what's your blended interest rate? between those two loans, essentially, that you're getting. And then if it's an interest-only payment or something like that, you have to include that in your new purchase and your underwriting there, too, and make sure you're still hitting your cash-on-cash cash returns. You can't just let that kind of be a wash. So Rich, Rich had just, a really good post yesterday, maybe. I saved it because I thought it was such a good example. So he had two properties side-by-side. Side. Ironically, it looks like my house in Florida. He said, and it says 2021 versus 2023. So in 2021, million dollar purchase, 3% interest rate. The monthly payment is 3374 right? Today, say you get it for 980, 20 grand less, but you got a 7% interest rate. Your monthly payment goes from 3374 to 5322 you know? So your purchasing power just goes way down when interest rates essentially double. So- you just got to factor that in. And again, that's why I'm a fan of the HELOC to unlock the equity. So you're only paying the higher interest on that additional portion, not the whole shebang. So like when we go to do the addition in Rockport in November, 
we're going back to the bank to ideally get a second mortgage on it instead of refinancing the whole thing. You know, I don't want to lose the good debt, the 3 million of good debt that we have on it to refinance the whole thing to fund the addition. I want to keep that and ideally get a second again at the higher interest rate. And then maybe down the line, we'll refinance the whole thing if interest rates come back down. But again, it, like you said, I look at everything like a math equation. So does, does the math make sense doing it this way versus this way? You guys can just Google like mortgage calculators and just, it'll take you two seconds to just run the payments. Yeah. There was a lot of millionaires created in uh, 2020, 2021 because of the cash out refinances that were available with like no points. And so people were just taking properties that had great equity and um, pulling cash out and at 3% and just going and buying three, four, five properties. So when interest rates, when, if interest rates do come down to that four or 5% range again, it's definitely possible. I don't think we'll ever see, I got an investment home loan for 2.875, uh, 20% down. I don't think we'll ever see that again, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's right now. I, I like the HELOC a little bit better, but it really all depends on, on, uh, what your current situation is and the new deal that you're going to go buy. Exactly. And again, that's why having. I, I call it my cheat code because I, I don't have all the answers. I've got a, a good amount now, but I surround myself with the right people. And that's why I pay to be in different masterminds and different things so that I get myself in the right room so that if I have a question, I have somebody in my Rolodex that I can call to get the right advice for my situation and just make less mistakes. The biggest risk isn't buying the property. The biggest risk is the lack of knowledge when you acquire properties and when you grow your business, because one mistake can have massive consequences. So if you look at what really successful people do, I, I'm always looking at like, who can I model for success? And if you look at like billionaire status type people, they just surround themselves with really smart people that have the answers when they don't, they don't just like trust their gut and just go. It's like, all right, who, who has experience with this that can get me the right answer? Right. It's, it's just a different way of looking at things like, yes, they want the upside, but they're constantly focused on mitigating their downside risk. I was just listening to an Alex Hormozy podcast on the way to the office where he talked about that, like the wealthy mindset of like most people will go out. I saw something the other day. The Powerball is up to like one point five billion or some shit like that. Most people, they'll go out and they'll in, invest in something like that. Again, low ticket investment where the chance of success is insanely low and the chance of losing everything is massively high, right? So there's this crazy risk reward relationship where wealthy people, they're much more focused on getting guaranteed wins than massive wins with a lot of risk. So they're always mitigating their downside and that's what having the right people around you does. It mitigates your downside and keeps getting you those singles and doubles so that you keep compounding over time. Every once in a while you get a home run but you want to just keep hitting those doubles and singles to just keep moving the needle forward. And that's what it does. Like that, that's my cheat code. And that was part of the reason why I posted that last night. It wasn't to like brag. Yeah, it felt fucking good. I'm not going to lie. Like that, I've been working on that for eight years. And at the beginning, there was of the, out of those eight years, there were three and a half to four with no return. Like nothing, like there was nothing good happening. It was just loss, 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 investing in coaches, masterminds, different things. And I just kept telling Chris and I'm like, I'm just telling you, I just know 
if I get around the right people, the opportunity is going to come and I'm going to be ready for it. And as soon as it does, I'm going to jump all over it and we're going to go all in. And that's what happened. But like, it was just that persistence and just continuing to get around the, the right people and continuing to expand my skill set. So when those opportunities popped up, I jumped right on them, right? So if you're feeling like you're not seeing a lot of opportunities, that's okay. Keep looking, but keep expanding your skill set, keep expanding your network, and, they, and then you will be ready when the opportunities pop up. Like, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, that, that's it. And even now with the coaches, Mike, in the mastermind, a lot of these guys have different experiences that I don't even have. So I don't have to figure it all out. I have other people around me that can bring that information. I used to think I was a one-man band coaching for a few years. It was exhausting. It was fun. I loved it. But like now it's more fun for me because I don't have to have all the answers. I've got the right people around me that will have the answers or will find the answers. So. I mean, that's, that's a mic drop moment right there. Surround yourself with the right people. Know what you want. Surround yourself with the right people and just execute. I think I said this last week on the live. Put something up on the board every day, every single day. Don't let a day go by where you're not putting something up on the board. Yesterday, I was feeling like crap. Today, I didn't feel, feel great either, but I still got my workouts in. So it's like always putting something up on the board. If you want a co-host, call somebody, one person a day. Analyze a couple deals a day. If you're looking to get your first property, analyze five, 10 deals a day. It's just always put something up on the board so that you're prepared when the time does come. And you can recognize this. Hey, this is an opportunity. Most of the opportunities that we see we don't really see them. They just kind of come by if we're not in the right mode, right? If we don't put something up on the board every day, we don't see those opportunities. But a lot of times they're right under our nose. So, yeah, that's it, man. That's it. All right, gang. Well, hopefully you guys found this helpful. Um, again, I know it's a question that we've been getting asked a lot. So you just got to use that framework to analyze your situation and then continue to just get yourself around the right people. You're in a great community now in this group post your questions. The more engaged you are, the more you're going to get out of it. Like if you asked anybody in the, in our mastermind or our boardroom, we'll end up getting some of the, the footage out from the last boardroom event. But it was interesting. Mike pulled me aside. He's like, dude, we're getting great feedback. He's like, but I got to be honest. None of it is about you. Like zero is about you. It's all about the great community and the, the people that we have here. Because when you get around the right people, like that's, that's powerful. Right. When you got people that are like minded, they have different complementary skill sets. Everybody wants to help each other grow. Like that's what it's all about. And that's where the real power is. So that's all we got for this week. Anything else you want to add, Mike? No, I think next week I got the seven do not do's, seven things to look out for when you're co hosting. So these are mistakes that are made um, all too often. And I see them happen um, by people who are looking to start and scale co hosting businesses. So I got the seven different ways next Tuesday uh, that we're going to go over as a training. So I'm pumped about it. So you guys can not make the same mistakes I've made. And I know you've made, um, and you can uh, be aware of those and just go execute. So. Yeah. Berta, Mike and Berta said, thank you. We'd love to learn more about co-hosting on future Facebook lives. Yeah. hundred percent. We can cover more of that. The other thing too, like if you're serious about co-hosting and you really want to accelerate it, like apply to the mastermind and just book a call with the team and learn more about it. Mike, what is on average mastermind student fresh with no properties gets their first co-host deal within 41 days, I think is yep. the number 41. 41? Yeah. Yep. So like it again, it's just the accelerator. It's just the accelerator. So if you're really serious and you want to like hit the ground running and just build this up like ASAP, then that's for you. Otherwise, keep showing up here. Keep asking good questions and uh, 
Yeah, that's it, folks. So hope you guys have an amazing week and we will talk to you soon. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.